What's up, hardcore humans? Welcome to the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Today, we are talking with Joe Mulherin, the creative force behind Nothing Nowhere. Now, Joe recently released the album Trauma Factory, which has gotten great reviews, including a cool review from Pitchfork saying the album glows with conviction and sometimes uncomfortable honesty. And in October, Joe starts a tour of the United States, so check out Nothing Nowhere's website for shows near you. Now, in the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program, we want you to find your purpose, work hard to achieve it, and build a community around you who will support your most authentic and purpose-driven life. And in order to understand and embrace our purpose, we need to be connected in with ourselves. We have to listen to ourselves, what we like, what we don't like, and how we tend to go about doing things in our life. When we can connect in with ourselves in this basic way, we then begin to understand ourselves on a deeper level and discover our purpose and how to work towards that purpose. And what Joe talks about is how he connects in with himself. And the first and perhaps most important step we can take in connecting in with ourselves is to not be afraid of who we are, how we feel, how we think, and how we do things. This may seem like it's easy, but it can be so difficult for so many of us. Many of us have been told that how we feel isn't valid and that we need to disconnect from ourselves in order to function and get what we want in the world. And so Joe's simple resolution to connect with himself is so powerful. One of the things that Joe talks about is the temptation that we all have to assume that there is a part of us that needs to be avoided, suppressed, or denied in order for us to connect in with ourselves. In Joe's case, we talk about the fact that he has a very active and creative mind. This can be wonderful if our goal is to be a compelling songwriter and passionate performer, but it can feel scary when we are not sure if our mind will ever stop when we want it to stop. And Joe and I talk about how important it is to still embrace and listen to that part of ourselves as we connect into who we are and discover our purpose in life. So let's hear what Joe has to say. All right, Joe, welcome to the Hardcore Humanism Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So we're going to talk about a topic that's always top of mind for me, which is the concept of connection. Uh, That is one of the core principles of what we call hardcore humanism. And what we really encourage people to do is to first and foremost, connect with themselves, connect with their purpose, connect with who they are, connect with what they want in their life, and use that as a base for then connecting with other people. But a lot of people understand the concept of connecting with others, but not so much how to connect with themselves. And this is a topic that you've talked about a lot, and I think you've explored in your music. So why don't we just start right there and talk about what that means for you to connect to yourself? Yeah. Um I feel like in 2021, like um, connecting with yourself is inherently something, at least in the Western world, um, that we try to avoid at all costs. It's more about distracting yourself and um, keeping yourself busy so you don't have to face the uh, harsh realities sometimes of, of what kind of lingers in your mind. Um, so I think connection to, to oneself is is huge because uh 
you know, if you sit down to meditate or you take a moment for yourself, you realize that your subconscious mind is screaming at you. I, I just think that that music has been a vehicle for me to to sort of check in with myself um, and and express myself in a, in a healthy way. Now let's talk about that idea because I don't I don't think I've ever heard anyone say it like that. The idea that your subconscious is screaming at you, but as soon as you said it, I was like, yeah. But I actually don't know why, which is kind of embarrassing since I'm a psychologist <laughs> and I'm supposed to know why. What what do you mean by the subconscious is screaming at you? Well, I guess in Buddhism, they call it monkey mind. Um, sort of your neurons are just firing constantly. And I don't necessarily think it's the same for everyone. But I know for me, um, if I sit down in, sort of in contemplation and practice mindfulness, just a minute in, I'll realize like the overwhelming amount of thoughts, critiques, um, just there's there's just a tornado of things happening in my mind subconsciously that I'm if I'm working all day or distracting myself I have no idea but you start to really realize that you know this has got to be affecting me in some way because uh, when I sit in in silence I'm realizing that my neurons are just well screaming at me. Now one of the things that I encourage people to do is to not be afraid of that screaming. I, I actually feel like all of the different information that we get can be useful in terms of understanding ourselves if, if we process it a certain way. But I'm not mm -hmm. sure that everybody necessarily, especially when they talk about meditation, connects with their subconscious in that way. W what is it for you? I just think that... Uh... If I don't check in with myself, I'm going to sort of harbor a lot of negative energy. I'll probably fall into like self-loathing. And I feel like my default sort of condition is to be anxious and worry. Um, so if, if I don't check these boxes off and I don't check in with myself, I'm not operating in an optimal way. And I'm not being my best version of myself, so I I just think it's really important for me. I, like I said, I don't I don't know if it's the same for everyone though, because um, sometimes I look at people and I'm just like, you know, they don't really have a daily checklist, they don't have X, Y, or Z, but they seem to be doing fine, and I'm kind of envious of it. It's interesting that you say that because I actually think it's very healthy and productive to think a lot. I think one of the biggest mistakes that people make is assuming that because negative thoughts are bad or worry is bad, that active thought is also bad. But I think that to a certain extent, so much of what we do, so much of what gets done in the world, you know, as an example, like I'm sure that to a degree as an artist, you are successful in it, however you define success, based on the fact that you have an incredibly active mind. And so the question is, how do we embrace the possibility that it's okay to have an active mind, even when sometimes that, that can eat itself a little bit? Yeah, I guess there's, there's got to be a, a healthy way to do it. And, and you're, you're totally right. Um, 
I, I think I've had a, a, a uh, sort of successful music career because I'm always worrying and thinking about so many different things. And as a result of that, I needed I needed a place to put all these worries and these thoughts. And that just so happened to be, you know, writing lyrics for songs. Um, but yeah, I mean, it does. It, it, when I was younger, I started having really bad panic attacks when I was in third grade and I really didn't know why or how. And I remember, you know, the school nurse not knowing what, what was going on with me. And I was too young to even know. They just thought I was like not feeling well or whatever. And, and um, I just was always thinking, you know, and, and I would think, think myself into a panic, you know, um, just what if, what if, what if, I remember I used to think about the universe and the galaxies and the stars. And then I would just, my mind would start to cannibalize itself because I would overthink it and be like, well, what is life? Is this all meaningless? What is this? And these were thoughts I was having when I was like, you know, nine, 10 years old, which is insane. So I had to turn to music. I had to have that outlet to like, just throw all that onto something. Yeah. And it's so interesting the way that you're talking about it, because when you're talking, right. And you're saying, is third grade and you're thinking about the world and, and the universe and what does it all mean? And the, the thing that I always confront is that I, I think that's good. I think it's, in fact, I think it's, it's fantastic that you did that. I don't think the problem is that you think that way or that you think a lot, or there's a lot of energy behind that quest, if you will, or that discovery. I think the problem is, is that as a society, we don't know how to deal with people who do that. And yet, ultimately, those are the people who we celebrate the most because those are the ones that break through those conventional norms, break through those standards, and give us something that we didn't have before precisely because they're going to those places. So I feel like it's this very odd thing that we have where we we punish people up front, but then we sort of reward them on the back end. But I'm kind of thinking to myself, like, wouldn't it be good to actually nurture people at the beginning and not necessarily say, oh, because you think about what's the meaning of all this in third grade that, oh, you got you to gotta take it down a notch. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like the default. I guess that's the default for musicians and artists and sort of people with, with creative minds is we're kind of just always thinking, always analyzing, always worrying. Uh, I just know that that's something that I've always had to deal with. And there's, I guess there's comfort in that. Um, you know, whenever I have anxiety these days or I'm, I'm having like a period that's, that's rough, there's a weird comfort in knowing that, uh, you know, I was that kid in third grade having anxiety. Like, and I was just something that I was born with. Like that's, that's my, my mind. And, um, yeah, there's some bummer side effects, but I, I think I would rather have a mind that dissects the world around me and, and overthinks than opposed to a mind that is sort of blissfully unaware and, uh, uninterested. And what's interesting though, is that, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure that you got feedback that whether intentionally or unintentionally pushed you into the blissfully unaware zone, at least tried to. It's like, you yeah. know, when we say things to people like, 
chill out, relax, man. Like not everything has to be so intense. And I find myself saying, why? Like when, when did, when did this like kind of like checked out moderation become some kind of ideal to which we should strive? Yeah, I guess feeling things is hard and (laughs) feelings are uh, difficult. And I guess, you know, the easiest way to deal with difficult emotions is to act like you're not experiencing them. (laughs) So, you know, we turn to media, we turn to drugs, we turn to whatever to sort of silence the screaming in our minds and totally me i mean growing up you know there was all i i would get into a conversation with someone and i would always bring it to like you know what do you think of carl sagan and like are, are we really made of stardust like like how does that make you feel and people would be like dude it's like first period it's like seven in the morning what are you talking about <laughs> and you know and as i've got you know i'm older now and i've sort of embraced it and realized that that's just my mind and there's nothing wrong with that inherently. Right. And, and, and the question is, yeah, it's seven in the morning. What are you thinking about? Right. <laughs> and, and like, you know, bringing it back to like connecting with yourself and having an outlet. Like I know that there were obviously some positives, a lot of positives about thinking and, and connecting with yourself and, and really diving into that, but also, you know, I, I would take it really far and not have those answers and, and um, not have like a lot of friends to connect with. And, and I turned to playing guitar because um, it's not like I was trying to silence that part of me. Um, I just needed to take a break from it sometimes. And I know that like when I was playing guitar, I could just play guitar. And that was like kind of my first intro to mindfulness, I guess. Yeah. And what you're talking about, just to make the distinction, is the difference between distraction and avoidance, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, let's, let's take a situation that happens for a lot of people. Look, there are a lot of people who are sitting in a hospital bed with something like a heart problem. And they actually wind up saying, yeah, I don't, I don't have a heart problem. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Right? It's like, that's, that's avoidance, right? Mm-hmm. Distraction is listen, I got, I got a heart problem. I'm sitting here. I, I might as well, you know, catch up and, and watch like, you know, binge watch the wire, you mm. know, for the time, because I, there's not much I can do because there, I'm not going to know anything until I get the results of the test. Right. So like yeah. what I'm hearing, what you're doing with the guitar is you're not saying to yourself, don't think about that. Don't think about that. You're just saying, listen, you know, it's like an athlete. When you work out, it's like you work out in between. You're not avoiding the fact that you're, you're trying to build your fitness level. You, you're just like, well, I, I, you know, I gotta, I gotta take care of myself a little bit so that I'm ready the next time. Yeah. And it's, it's, I think it's, I think what you're talking about is, yeah, it's perfectly healthy, but I, I guess the question I have for you is, were you telling yourself, don't think about this? Or were you just saying to yourself, like, I, I just need a break. I, I think when I was younger, kind of some, some people would suggest like, Hey, don't, don't even worry about that stuff. Don't think about it. But I always knew deep down that I wasn't wrong for thinking that I wasn't wrong for asking these big questions. I always thought it was bizarre that people didn't, you know, question like the human condition or, you know, think about where we came from and, or where we're going and, you know. Yeah. And, and what we know, 
now in terms of research is that when you avoid, I mean, there's people who think that everything that has to do with mental illness is avoidance. You know, that that's the universal factor that cuts across most mental health conditions, you know, so whether or not, you know, avoiding emotions and then you, you drink or avoiding emotions and you binge or like trying to suppress your thoughts and then it leads to panic, you know, avoiding addressing whatever's happening so that you develop depression, which kind of says to you, hey, there's something wrong here, you know? Mm. And so it's interesting how we give people those messages. Hey, man, don't worry about it which is basically like, hey, man, shut up. But we know now that that's, that's one of the worst things that you could do for someone because once you start on that avoidant suppressing zone, I mean, talk about connect, you get completely disconnected from yourself because you lose track of like what's real, what am I allowed to feel, what am I not? And that's, that's a dangerous path. Yeah, that's really scary. Like you got to like check in with yourself. You, you got to stay grounded and like, being disconnected from yourself is really scary. And and that's definitely a symptom of like that I've had just in the past of trying to like navigate everything. Like I feel like it's always been a um, sort of a dance that I play with myself where it's like, okay, I have this mind that uh, really wants to dive deep and really wants to question. Um, but I, I also have a tendency to overdo it. And when I overdo it, I start to have anxiety. I start to panic. Um, so it's always this sort of like, uh, you know, game that I'm playing with myself where I have to sort of walk a tightrope and, and, uh, and just stay on a, on a course going forward. Cause if I'm not connecting with myself, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to be depressed. If I'm connecting too much, I might get myself a little anxious and it's just like it, like I'm like riding like a, like a horse trying to stay on. Now, what does overdoing it mean? in your mind? Like, what is it? What, what's an example of like a thought process that goes from, Hey, I'm just contemplating the world to in your mind, I'm overdoing it. I think sometimes when I, when I overdo it, like with my, my own life where I, you know, I'll be like, okay, I have to release this song. And then I'll listen to it and I'll be like, well, what if this song isn't very good? And then I'm like, maybe this song is really bad. And I'm like, oh no, I got to release it anyways. People are going to hate it. And then it'll keep going and going. And I'm just like, why do I, why am I even still playing music? You know, like I should probably just become a farmer. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I, uh, and it just keeps going and going and going. And then I'm like, it gets to a point where I'm like, well, who even am I? Like, and so I need to recognize that and sort of that's where the, not the avoidance comes in, but sort of the distraction. And there needs to be some sort of intervention within myself because if my mind is left to its own devices, it's going to, it's going to get so wild that it'll just start lying to me, you know? And, and it's interesting because what you're describing is something that I, that, I work on with people all the time because one of the things that's very tough for people to, I don't know if accept is the right term, is that most of the things we have to do in life are very simple, but they're very difficult. And so as an example, like one of the things that you're talking about here is that if you have decided that your purpose in life is music 
and you want certain things in a career and, and, you know, to a certain degree, like your fan response matters, you by definition have to put yourself in a situation where you might get feedback that you do not want. And that sucks. Period. Yeah. It's crazy. (laughs) But when it goes beyond that, and then you have to try to control that and, and not you, but anybody doesn't just sort of accept that simple truth and say like, I can't go any farther because, you know, unless you're thinking to yourself, well, I have control over this and maybe I don't put out the song, but if the song's coming out anyway, at that point, you're left with, okay, I have two choices. I either accept the fact that this is my purpose. And in order to do the purpose, this is what I have to do. I have to put out music and I have to put myself out there and that's going to hurt in some situations. So I accept that and I move forward. That's, that's kind of simple. Or you don't accept that simple truth. And then all of a sudden what winds up happening is you see like, like your mind gets convoluted because sometimes people, I always say to people like deal with an emotional problem with an emotional solution and an existential problem with an existential solution. Mm. But what often happens is people will do the opposite. Like if they're thinking like, do I even want to be a musician, which is an existential problem, they'll start drinking, which is an emotional Mm. response. And then what you're talking about here is this is an emotional issue, which is that I just got to figure out how to sit with waiting to not know, right? If people are going to like the song, that sucks. But then it turns into an existential solution. Should I even be a musician at all? And that's where people really start getting twisted and and you lose track of like, God, I don't even remember where my thinking began. (laughs) Yeah, what even started this? I just know I'm sitting here now. And I'm contemplating like what I'm doing in life. And if, if anything that I'm doing has actual merit or, or, you know, validity and, 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 you know, talking about, you know, putting yourself out there now, you know, like we have direct access to reading comments and, and reading every word ever written about ourselves. And for someone with a mind like mine, it's like, it is not healthy at all. And it gets to like this weird, like addictive thing where you're reading garbage about yourself. And then you sort of, you sort of base your own self-worth on a stranger's opinion online. And it's sort of a vicious cycle, you know? Yeah. And, and, you know, going back to even those, you know, third grade discussions, right. It's that, you know, we don't train people. We don't mentor people to, Hey, go for it in your head. Go as far as you can with that. That's awesome. But this is an unfortunate reality. Like we don't know. So like then like teaching, you know, like a kid like you, like, so how do you sit with that? You know, but I don't even remember at any point anyone saying to me growing up, it's like, Hey, like, it's great that you have those thoughts. And even as adults, we have trouble sitting with this, right? Mm -hmm. Instead, it's that like, we don't get that first teaching of acceptance, the first thing that a lot of us get taught is avoidance. And because people will even say to us, like, so as an example, like, I'm sure someone said to you, like, oh, you think too much, man. Oh, like, you know, you shouldn't even, you, you got, like you said, you got to stop worrying about that. Well, that translates later on into, well, I guess that's how you handle, you know, that, that's how you handle difficult situations. I guess now I'm going to think about whether or not I should even be a musician, you <laughs> know, and that's just a, that's, you know, it's an example of how I think we got to, we got to work on that from as a societal perspective, because you shouldn't, you know, I mean, not should, I hate to use the word should, but it's like, you know, it's not optimal for you 
to, in the face of doing the work that you feel like you were meant to do and taking on the risks that are inherently part of that, to then have to question whether or not you should be doing it because that's that's exactly paradoxical. You are doing it. That's how you know you're an artist because you're willing to put your stuff out there without knowing how it's going to be received. That's what makes you different from a lot of other people who wouldn't have the guts to do that. Yeah. And it's like, it's easy to forget that I've tried to quit music when I was younger, like a couple times and I just couldn't, it's just what I, what I do. It's like in my DNA. And yeah, I mean like talking about society and kids overthinking or kids just questioning, asking these huge questions. It's like, I think our society sort of, yeah, it rewards uh, avoidance in a way. I mean, like you, you drive down the freeway and you see all the billboards just sort of just yelling at you, you know, buy this, you know, do this, do that. And it's just this entire kind of shit show of trying to avoid how we're really feeling and it's a i think that that we should as a society look at kids and be like yeah like what do you think what do you think the empty space between stars actually is like what how big do you think space is like like what do you think happens when you die you know like it's instead it's sort of just like coddling people not just when they're kids their entire lives and just being like well well, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And then you're on your deathbed and you're sort of like, I should have really thought of this a bit more. Yeah. And then, you know, there are times when kids even are doing things, you know, so we talked beforehand about your being vegan straight edge, mm-hmm. right? And so let's not even have a debate, you know, should someone be vegan? Should someone be straight edge? But, but just on an objective level, what we know, we know that factory farming it destroys us in terms of health it's destroying the environment right we know that substance use leads to all kinds of problems and yet somehow a a, a kid no, you're not a kid but at, at some point whenever you decide this a kid who's vegan straight edge it's kind of like that's it's extreme you know it's <laughs> like it's like you know and you think about yourself like what well like, like how how did that get to be extreme because the process that you're talking about so saying hey kid you know come on we'll talk about that later those are all the conversations that we don't have that then make it easier for certain things to just continue in a way that's damaging to people directly it's damaging to an environment and again i'm not judging people who aren't very but like that's just on a fact the fact that you're making that choice i i can guarantee you that people have called you extreme for that approach at some point yeah, no, totally. Sort of to each their own with with that stuff and I mean, what's extreme about having compassion towards your planetary companions or what's extreme about wanting to be healthy and, you know, not put, you know, poison in your body? Uh I uh I I don't know, you know, I think cognitive dissonance is a real thing and people put their blinders on and it's, it's just gnarly. Um, and, and the overthinking sort of carried over into why I'm vegan, um, why I've been straight edge, because I would just analyze these things like, you know, okay, I'm eating animals. This isn't necessarily something I want to participate in. I have, a 
a sea of, you know, options at the grocery store now, why would I choose the one that involves violence? And then on the other hand, with, with being, you know, sober and straight edge, it's like, I've seen alcoholism and addiction ruin so many people. I don't necessarily subscribe to the party lifestyle. It doesn't interest me. And I would just sit down and just think about these growing up. And I was always the odd one out, sort of, you know, not partying, not doing all this stuff. But as, you know, I know in my heart that like I'm doing what, you know, I'm supposed to be doing and and sort of, it's just me. Like, I don't know. Well, it's it's interesting that you say that it's just me because I the the person who, as appropriate as you know, really clarified it for me was when when I talked with Ian Mackay and I was asking him mm-hmm. like how did you how did you know, as a kid, to do all these things, right? Like it's like you were doing. I mean, you were first vegetarian, then vegan. You were straight edge, and he was like, it was very simple for me. It's it's I want to have a visceral connection with my life. Yeah. Anything that works for that is good. So if I'm, if I'm, he said like, you know, there people would be at concerts that they wouldn't even remember. And he's like, why would you, why would you go see your favorite band and be so high that you don't even remember? He's like, I don't want that. I want to remember it. You know, I want to have all ages shows because I want my friends to get in. And, and this, you know, I don't, I don't want to, I don't remember what, I don't think we talked about vegetarianism or veganism but what's so interesting about that is it's so direct it's so simple like i i remember when i i mean i think if i've drank i mean if i've drank like five times in the last 15 years maybe mm-hmm. that's and i don't i don't even remember to be honest the last time and to be honest i only started it because i was starting to play music and i wanted to get in shape for what i knew was going to be uh you know rough shows like i knew that the shows were going to be music was a little bit more intense so i knew the shows were going to be kind of intense so i didn't want to like lose my breath Mm -hmm. on stage and i just all of a sudden started noticing i was like man i haven't seen the daylight on a weekend in in years i mean i just i i I just i just didn't i had never occurred to me like i was just like oh I kind of like this. I like, you know, waking up in the morning and not feeling like I just got hit in the head with a boulder. Yeah. You know, but even as an adult, it's, it's, it's been, it's tough. You know, it's like, and I'm thinking to myself, it's like, don't get me wrong. I don't begrudge people who drink, but it's interesting that when we do something that's not the norm, the first reaction is not curiosity. It's always criticism. Right. Yeah. Like it, that's that that to me is the problem. Not that like one person drinks and one person doesn't, but as you said, your being vegan straight edge is sort of like like eyebrows raise. That's like yeah. why? Because it, it's disrupting it's disrupting someone's avoidance and it's forcing them to analyze themselves and it's forcing them to sort of um, realize or think about what they're doing because me j- just by simply existing and, and sort of not participating in in these things, you know, just by talking to me and me existing, then they're they're automatically going to have to think about it themselves. One of, one of the things I wanted to pivot to is in funeral fantasy. You tell me if I've got the lyric right. All people saying my life was beautiful, mm-hmm. and 
I really resonated with that because man, can I tell you, there is something that we do and this is horrible. It's like, especially with our artists, when they die, everybody's like, oh my God, like this was the most important. This was like, you know, this person was so meaningful. This is everything. And there was something in that. I don't know if it was meant this way, but it almost felt like there was a little bit of a fuck you because you didn't, you didn't make me feel beautiful when I was alive. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's always that sort of like, you never know until it's too late kind of thing. Or um, that's just a testament of like appreciating those around you while they're still around, you know? And um, I think, you know, society definitely has a tendency to romanticize or sort of sculpt their own narrative when, when something like that happens or someone passes away and, and sort of the thought process when I was writing funeral fantasy was just like, you know, people romanticizing and and injecting their own uh, ideals into what your existence was when you were alive, you know, and sort of making it this grandiose thing, et cetera, et cetera. When I guess a lot of times life is sort of benign and just sort of uh, unamazing and that's okay, I guess. I don't know. I think I was just going to more funerals than I'd liked to have been going to at that time. And it's hard to find the words, you know, being at a funeral and people sort of romanticizing someone's life. And you could see the wheels turning in people's heads, trying to cope with the fact that they are realizing that this is going to be them someday. And they're trying to pretend like it's not terrifying to them or something. I don't know. Yeah. And it's, it's this process. If we're thinking about a consistent theme, it's this process from beginning to end people just being like, it's okay. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. But it's like, you know, that's, that's great. And it's like, you know, I, I hope that, some point when I die, people will have beautiful thoughts about me and for other people. That's, it's, that's, it's, it's wonderful on that end, but, but connect with people when things are ugly, like don't just be there for the beauty because for a lot of people getting to the true beauty, not the, the sort of matrix beauty, if you will, is to be there when things are, are twisted and tumultuous and don't have it figured out. And, and we, we so quickly, because everything's fine, everything's fine, everything's fine. It's beautiful. It's like we snuff out the very thing that's actually going to make it fine. That's actually going to make it beautiful. You know, and we don't, we don't need to do that. We don't need to be afraid of people when they're in it. I, I, to me, it's beautiful when things are ugly, you know, again, like, I don't know if I was a teacher or something and you were sitting there in class, like talking about, what was happening. I don't know how I would react, but like, I was hoping that more and more people react to me, like at least not making you feel badly about it. Even if you yeah. can't embrace it, that would be such a huge step. It, yeah. It's, it's not healthy to like, to repress these emotions and it's not healthy that we don't talk about these things. And I, and I do think that this is sort of a, uh, a symptom of the Western world, I guess, not like I'm all high and mighty or whatever. Like I, I do, you know, watch and read a lot about sort of different communities over across the pond. And, you know, even, even uh, our neighbors to the South, you know, like Mexico celebrating like El Dia de los Muertos. And, and then you have um, sort of like 
some cultures in Tibet or, or Buddhist cultures where they, they will sort of just like keep a body on display or something. And I think that certain cultures have a better prescription for dealing with these sort of visceral and difficult emotions. Whereas our default here in the States is like we said, avoidance and uh, consumerism. And if I get this, then I will feel better about these difficult emotions. If I just get a new car, I won't have to worry about, you know, someday dying and I won't have to face my mortality or, you know, my depression, my anger, my sadness. Yeah. And it brings me to this review. I I read about one of your albums and pitchfork, which I think the quote is emo at its best creates kinship. And I think that they were, they were talking about your songs kind of creating that vibe. And I think that this is one of the reasons why we love our music or our art in various forms so much, because just knowing that there's one person out there who's thinking that way, who feels in that way, who's, who's like, things are kind of twisted. It's uncomfortable. Don't have it all figured out. Not necessarily trying to wrap it up in a bow. That can be the difference between just knowing that that little bit of light in the darkness can be the difference between someone just being like, you know, fuck it. I'm, I'm just going to turn this part of myself off forever. And there's, there's, there's mm. often no coming back from that. Mm. It's that music, it's our artists that give us that, like, yeah, you know, I'm going to hide it maybe even, or maybe not, you know, maybe this is the, this is, this is what's going to make me not hide it. I'm going to plant a flag and just see, you know, who wants to connect. But I think that's one of the reasons why we, we, our artists are so important to us. Yeah. That that's, the beautiful thing about music, I mean, emo kind of in more like sort of raw music like that, it's like a celebration of suffering. The reason why so many musicians start making music is because they they just needed something to make themselves feel better. And then the amazing result of that is that you're somehow helping some random kid anywhere in the world feel better about themselves. So it's amazing. And it's something that I realized when I started going on tour, it was just astounding to me that, Hey, I just wrote these songs so I could feel better about myself. And then to have people come up like my lyrics tattooed on them, um, you know, just telling me all of these things about themselves. I'm like, this is this is real. Like, this is what I needed when I was that kid who was overthinking um, and and just worrying about everything. I needed this connection with other people where we could just cut out the BS and like be real and, and like not just talk about how the weather is or whatever. You know, one of the things that I'll talk about with people, you know, where I'm working with them is, you know, don't, connect with someone who forces you to disconnect from yourself. Mm. You know, it's like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like you don't have to show every single part of who you are at all times. Like obviously there's, there's a time and place, but fundamentally you kind of ask yourself, do I have to not be me in order to be with them? And listen, we all do things to get by. And and that's sometimes what we find ourselves in, or sometimes there was a relationship that was working and it's not as much anymore. But I definitely encourage people to always use that 
as sort of a little bit of a, of a true North, because once you lose that connection with yourself, even, even if you have a life that is what you were going for, it, it, that end result of that feeling, it's like, oh, man, it's good. Like I get to be me, you know, it's, it's, it's not there. And that, that just, it, you know, it, it, unfortunately, like it can break people. Yeah, I know. You know, that's, I just kept turning to music as, as a safe haven to just say whatever was on my mind and not be judged by it. I was always so afraid of just being judged and just being analyzed by others and music, especially emo music taught me that it was okay to not be okay. And, you know, it's okay to, to think and to worry and, you know, to just be a real person and not put up this whole facade for your, your peers you know, I think often people, they just, they create a, a false image of themselves um, because they don't want people to see who they really are. They don't want to let people in and let people know that they're suffering. And, and often that leads to some really scary things. Yeah. And it's, and I, you know, one of the things I try to say to people is that, you know, you know, I know it's people like, oh, this is your superpower. That's your superpower. But this to me, real, this kind of thing really feels that way. I try to say to people, it's like, look, you know, you, you're not, you're not of much use to people. If, you know, when people are going through these tough times, I don't, don't want to talk to somebody who's never been through anything to try to help me when I'm in my darkest place. I need to be with someone who gets that, you know, so like just gets that, like gets that in their bones, you know, gets that in their DNA. And one of the things that's so tough is that I'm sure, you know, for you, it comes through in the music where it's like, you know, nobody's going to really listen to someone who's like spent their whole life avoiding it and then says, Hey, it's going to be okay. It's like, I, maybe it's, some people will, but, but that's but. really funny actually though. Cause I, you know, I think about like, I, I hate happy music. I just don't like it. Um, I don't know. I, I just don't listen to music for that reason i understand a lot of people do but it's just weird um when you hear certain songs that are i guess like a lot of the biggest songs ever are sort of songs that don't really tackle the human condition it's an echo chamber of avoidance and avoidance and avoidance where people are like, this has a beat and this guy's talking about how he's happy and he's just dancing. And <laughs> it's like, they're listening to it in their car, you know, just distracting themselves. Whereas like emo music was like, no, 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 no. Like, we're not listening to music for that. Like, let's dive deeper. Like, let I'm going to let you know that I'm feeling the same way that you're feeling and it's okay. Like, you don't have to listen to the happy guy dance song um, and pretend like everything's okay because I know and you know that everything is not okay and that's okay. Yeah, and and for me, one way that I think it can work, if you will, is that if... You know, like, so for example, if you're, you know, kind of like almost you with your guitar, you know, if you're going at it in your head 24 seven, and then there's something that gives you a little bit of like, you know, joy or whatever, and you don't use it as an excuse to avoid, I, I you know, I can see how that, how that would work for people. 
You know, it's like, Hey, I've got a really tough life just to be able to, to dance or to relax, like is, is something. Mm. But that being said, mm. I'm, you know, I, I kind of have the, the, the predilection that you have, which is that it's not that I don't see it. I just don't, I don't need it. I can mm. like it, you know, like I, there's, there's plenty of songs that are upbeat that I like. And it's like, like, but I don't, I don't need it. And, and I think that at the very least, you know, because what you're talking about is these like songs that are popular. So the natural tendency would be like, well, this is what you're supposed to do. Let's make it happy. Let's make it whatever. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, like, that's great. You know, people like to party. Okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But I personally don't need it. The ones that I need are the bands that I feel like, yes, thank you for being down here with me because that's what I need. I don't feel more connected to myself or the world when I'm, you know, feeling that good. It's, it's nice to feel good for a while, but that's not where I'm at. So, you know, again, I don't, I like it, but I don't need it. Whereas the the kind of music you're talking about, like, yeah, I just, I need that. Yeah. I need to feel like I'm not the only person on earth. It's okay to feel the way that I'm feeling. And I don't need to repress it. And it's just crazy. I don't know. And and when I was younger, this is all not to say like it's people use different coping mechanisms. It just so happens that certain coping mechanisms are healthier and safer than others. And when I was younger, I was just so angry at party culture and seeing these kids just going wild and and doing x y and z and i was just really angry at everything and i didn't understand when i was younger that everyone's just trying to cope with human suffering and the human condition in their own ways and 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 it wasn't until i got close to to people who suffer with addiction where i was like you know i really had compassion towards them and sympathy because sometimes things get so bad that you'll do anything to not feel the way that you're feeling, you know? Yeah. And I think just the idea of it's cool. You like to do it this way. You like to do it that way. It's fine. But the next time you see somebody who's doing something different from you, don't wait until they're the successful emo artist. You know what I mean? Like don't, don't wait until they're selling tons of records and they're, they're playing big shows to sort of be like, to, to listen, don't make people when they're struggling, feel like there's something wrong with that. Because like you said, we all struggle. And if you want to handle it by avoiding that's, that's totally up to you, but don't, don't criticize somebody else. Don't shame someone who doesn't want to deal with that. Because what do you gain from that? Like go, go into a different place. You can, you know, if you want to avoid, go avoid someplace else. But don't, yeah. you know, make them, you know, you can sit side by side. And if they're not avoiding, you could be fine with that. You could, you could be in your little avoiding world if you want. And I don't, I don't say that uh, in a judgmental way. Like, hey, some people it's too much and they need to avoid whatever you need to do to get by. I'm hoping yeah. just from listening to you, like people will think about those kids or those young adults and, and not do the same thing that we do over and over and over again to make someone feel bad for taking on the world. Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a really cool, like uh story fable, whatever. Uh, there was this man who approached 
the blind Earl of Gloucester on these cliffs late at night. And he says, how do you see the world? And the blind man says, I, I see it feelingly. And that is just a testament to, you know, compassion is everything, it, you know, knowing that if you've ever felt any type of pain, I can guarantee you someone else has felt that exact same pain. So uh, you are who you are at the end of the day. And I just think that empathy is, is so important. That's what drew me to music. Um, that's what has kept me sane and kept me the way that I am. And um, however people choose to cope, that is their own sort of prerogative. Um, I just, I just know what works for me, you know, man, we gotta, we gotta end on that story. That is the perfect note. Joe, Elizabeth, it has been great talking with you, getting these perspectives. Congrats on all your success and, and I, I wish you the best. I hope we get a chance to talk again. Yeah. Thank you so much. This was super rad. I appreciate it. So there you have it, Joe Mulheron of Nothing Nowhere, talking about how he connects in with himself. One of the most powerful messages that we can draw from the conversation with Joe is that we all have something about us that we are convinced may interfere with our happiness and having the life we want. And oftentimes we will avoid whatever that part of us is at all costs in the hopes that we can overcome it by ignoring whatever it may be. But unfortunately, that rarely works. Even if there is something we want to manage— mental or physical illness, something about our past or fears about our future, we need to face it head on and understand it in order to fully accept and connect with ourselves as we pursue a purpose-driven life. I want to thank my wife and Hardcore Humanism co-founder Island Booman for editing and producing this podcast and my brothers in Odd Zero for letting us use Odd Zero music. If you like what you hear in the podcast, subscribe on your favorite app, give us a rating, and write a review. And if you'd like to take the next step and make change in your life, check out the Hardcore Humanism Therapy and Coaching Program at HardcoreHumanism.com. So get at it, Hardcore Humans. See you next time.